our guest this morning. Come on, let's stand up and welcome Laura Beth Malloy. We're going to pray for her. Come on, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. <laughs> Laura Beth uh, came to church with us some 08, 09, somewhere along in there. I know she's been in Ireland for years. We'll let her tell her story. But we honor her as a prophetess as in the kingdom of God. Okay? You want to? I just wanted to um, acknowledge and give you a gift. I can lay it over here, but I want to give you a gift and recognize you as our, as you represent the Osage people. And I just want to um, tell you that I appreciate that. And um, I heard the Lord say that He sees you as a general. Amen. Yeah. He sees you as a general, and as a woman in ministry, I get that it's not easy, and um, sometimes you may be overlooked, and sometimes, yeah, I, but the Lord said he sees you as a general, so I, I, I just release today the power of God that is in you, just, Lord, we're, we're pulling that out today in Jesus' name. But I just thank you, God, for the anointing and the power of God that is in her. And, Lord, we just I thank you for your gifts and your callings. And I thank you for this that you have spoken over her, Lord, that she is a general in the army of God. And it's not, and I don't mean just women, she is a general in the army of God. That leads many. That leads many. So, Lord, I, and I bless her as um, her Native American roots um, that go deep. I, I thank you, Lord. I bless her for uh, the Osage people. And, Lord, we call them in um, to your gifts and to your callings, Lord. Lord, you, we love the Native American people. And Lord, we call them to you, the one true God. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for Laura Beth. Lord, I thank you for just a treasure that she is in you. Lord, I thank you. I just seen her as a tree planted. Lord, I thank you for the roots that are deep within, Lord, in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, she's faithful. She's a faithful servant of yours, Lord. Lord, I thank you for her. Thank you, Lord, that the seed she's going to plant here today with us, with the body of Christ. We just thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. We welcome you. Thank you, so much. you know you have authority to speak here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just so blessed by that welcome. And um, I'm going to start off with a tissue. Thank you for that word of the Lord. And I just, I, I'm, I'm grateful. Could we move this down to the, could I get closer to you? Is that okay? I just honor this house. I honor, um, I honor the uh, the apostleship and the faithfulness of of Gerald and Dixie and what they have established in Osage County. 
um, what they have looked to um, not only see planted, but to see it flourish, to be like that tree that's planted by the water that keep has a deep root system that it's, it's about Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. And so this house has that vision, and I just so honor that. And um, I see faces I know, and I see faces I don't know, but my story is I was born and raised in Hominy, and um, it's not often that I get to preach this close to home. I've been in full-time ministry as a missionary for 26 years. I was uh, initially in Central America, in Guatemala and Honduras, but the last roughly 17 years I've been in Ireland, and that's a whole story how God took me from Guatemala to Ireland, but it's certainly one that he, he has authored. So I, I do see familiar faces. What's interesting about today is I have cousins here on both sides of both my mother and my father's side, so if you're my cousin, just wave. I've got cousins. I've got cousins on my Osage side. I've got cousins um, on my side where the Cherokee comes in. So I am First Nation. I'm from the Osage and, and Cherokee tribe. And as Dixie and I was just speaking there just before, um, before worship, and she was just um, saying how there's been a prophetic word over Oklahoma that where Oklahoma goes, the nation will go. And that, when she spoke that out, that just really rested on me as I came into this house. And I just felt that, you know, it's, a, it's so, I, I, I've preached a thousand times in different nations, but it's so rare that I preach in the county of my birth. And as I came into this house, I just could feel that, that fresh wind coming in to push Sky Took, to push Osage County into the fullness of what God is saying that he has for this region, for this state, that this is a time, come on Oklahoma, this is your time to rise up. We may have been very late coming into statehood, but the last shall be first and the first shall be last, and this is a time for Oklahoma to really rise up. It's a time for this house to rise up, and as I, as I was in worship there, I began to see, I looked at some of your faces, I turned around it's a time of it's a time to let the joy of the Lord be on your faces we win we win because he has already won so our faces need to show show that I'm going through stuff just like you're going through stuff but there is a difference when we get in that place of distraction that the stuff is pulling us in such a way that we're not able to step in and know that roar of the lion of Judah is roaring over us so when you see sing that song, you can just go through the motions of just singing that, but there's a place where you step in and you know the Lion of Judah is roaring over my bloodline. The Lion of Judah is roaring over my finances. The Lion of Judah is roaring over that medical um, diagnosis that came in. This is a time that the sons of God are stepping into the place of, I am no longer a slave, meaning, and I like to exchange the word orphan there, I'm no longer an orphan. I know who my father is. See, orphans will always look for identity. They'll always look for the approval of man. They're always fighting for their position. They're always looking to say, how will this come out? 
Where will I stand in this? Maybe God will come through. Maybe he won't. I'll get someone else to pray. But a son is different. A son of the king knows what the end result is. You may have to walk through some stuff, but there is an assurity on the inside of you. I'm walking through this, and I know the end result. He never loses. He only knows one way, and that is to win. And when I came in, I thought, oh, there's a residual dust of the enemy that has landed on the hearts of the people that has looked to be like almost like a cataract across their eyes that they are distant in believing that what God has said his redemptive promises are true that there's a lethargy that has rested on the people that today I break into that place carrying that breaker anointing that I blow that off of you the wind for since yesterday um, I was in harmony all day yesterday that's where my family home is and I kept hearing God just say I'm blowing over the people my breath my ruach though the breath of God is blowing over the people you have to say yes to that you have to step into that you have to be willing to say but you don't know what I'm facing you don't know what I've gone through you don't know what has been said you don't know what has been diagnosed you have to step into the place that the ruach of God the breath of God would blow Blow over you in such a way that you understand, I'm coming out of this thing. I'm not staying in this place of defeat. I'm not staying in this place of a stuckness. So right now, I want everyone to stand to their feet. We're going we're gonna to do the business of heaven today. So as an act of faith, maybe you've never done this before, but I'm going to ask you to just trust me on this. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. And right now, Father God, I just thank you for every man, every woman who would partner with this word, that you're blowing over their life, that you're blowing off lethargy, that you're blowing off tiredness, that you're blowing off doubt, that you're blowing off the things that they have partnered with in the distractions of this world, in the distractions of what's taking place politically. God is saying, I am, I was, and I always will be. And what looks like is going to overtake you is a lie from the liar himself. It has no truth. So I blow over you as a prophetic act. Now I want you to do this. I want you to blow out what has been resting on you that's looked to keep you in a stuck, defeated place. I'm going to count to three and we're all going to blow. And we're not doing it just as, this is not dog and pony show stuff. This is the business of heaven. This is what is already in heaven. Matthew 6, 10 says, as it is in heaven, so shall it be in the earth. Heaven is not in an identity crisis. Heaven is not in a, in a place of thinking, how is the vote going to go? Heaven is assured right now. So on one, two, three, we'll do it again. One, two, three, you're blowing that off that you've partnered with. You're blowing off that place. I kept, I kept hearing the word defeatism. That's what God's spe um, speaking to me right now. He's saying you have partnered with defeatism that you do not believe that you have rested in a place of doubt that this situation that you're facing is not going to turn around. It's a lie. So right now, break your partnership with defeatism.
that Jesus, King of glory, who has no rival, who always was, who always will be, he is the King of kings. He deserves all of the glory, and we give it to you right now, Jesus. We break partnership with defeatism. We say no to those things that we have said yes to in the past year, in the past two years, in the past three years, that have allowed us to go into a place that we are so much so on autopilot, we don't believe signs, miracles, and wonders are possible. I break that off this house in Jesus' name. This house is designed that we would see those things that Jesus said there's a generation that's coming that they will do greater works than even I. That is for house this is a well this is a place this is a well for this region this is a well for the nation and right now where you have partnered up with something that's preventing the fullness of what God wants to pour out I break it off of this house in Jesus name I break it off of your lives in the name of Jesus amen you can be seated just staying on that word that Dixie said I've got, a, I've got a message, I've got a word for you, and we'll prophesy today. But I really feel that breaker anointing. Amen. He wants to break you out. Amen. He wants to break this house out. Amen. Yeah, and as I, as I pulled up to the church, I heard this word for you, um, Apostle Gerald. I heard this word, go again, go again, go again. It's a time for you, the redemptive promises of God. They are just right there. And God says, go again, go again. And I heard Acts 3.21, he is the restorer of all things. He is the restorer of all things. Even the things that look like there is absolutely no way. He reminds you today again, he is the restorer of all things. That you will see specifically in the next four years, things restored that you never thought possible. You never thought that could be redeemed. That you had hope, but you thought that is an impossibility. It's a write-off. God says no, in the next four years, he will restore the things that the locusts have stolen and you're going to see lives restored, fortunes restored, health restored. It is a time for the redemptive promises of God over your life, over your call, over your apostleship. And I speak this out over you. Go again. Go again. This is a time to go again, says the Lord God. Amen? So, so my story is I was born and raised in Hominy. I grew up in Hominy, but at like 12 years old, I knew, I knew Hominy wouldn't be my home. I love my family. I love coming back. But my call is to the nations, and I have the privilege of walking that out um, in southern Ireland, the very southern part of Ireland. I live in County Kerry. The Republic of Ireland is made up of 26 counties. And then Northern Ireland is made up of six counties, which is a part of the United Kingdom. But I'm a prophet who is saying it is one island. And I am speaking that oneness of what Jesus says. He doesn't see two nations. He sees one island that he has put on the earth for this hour. There's a real Davidic um, anointing upon this tiny island nation, and it's Ireland's time. And I, in the 17 years that I have lived and preached and prophesied and, and worked there, um, 
we, what we would call a county road, they call in the Irish language is called a boreen. And I always tell the Irish, I've been on boreens that you'll never go on. I have literally preached all over the island, but this is a time unlike any other time that I've seen for Ireland in what we're seeing in the church, in the ecclesia, the world over. Exactly what um, Pastor Angie spoke about. There is a real dismantling. There's a real shaking taking place. But I come to you today... Um, to say all of that shaking and all that dismantling that's taking place, I, I, I can see that we are stepping into reformation. The ecclesia is stepping in. So when I use the word ecclesia, what am I speaking about there? That is God's church the world over. So that means that you are a part of what I'm doing in Ireland as the church. And what I'm saying as a prophet and as a leader, um, a ministerial leader in Ireland, the church is being reformed. Because what we saw, if anything, out of COVID was what we were calling church isn't working. And God isn't signing off on it. He's coming back for a bride, a spotless bride. And all of a sudden, we realized the autopilot model of what we were calling church that had no demonstration of power, that's in a tainted, dirty wedding dress. Jesus is saying, I'm not signing off on it anymore. I'm reforming my church. He is in this time, in this time, he's allowing us the grace and mercy to be reformed into a place that we are a church worldwide that is accomplishing what Jesus has said. I'm coming back for a bride who is doing kingdom on earth. This is our time. This is this house's time to come into the place of the fullness of the order of what God has for you. So this word that I'm bringing to you today, it's a corporate word, meaning it's a word for this house, but it's also very much a word for your life personally. I've drank enough of that that I can sit it like that and it won't spill. <laughs> okay, so here's the story. When I, I'm a, I, I dream prophetically a lot, and um, I had been traveling. It, I've done every route there is to travel into Tulsa from Ireland. And um, over the years, I have my favorite routes. This particular year, I chose a route that would get me into Tulsa a little bit sooner. I typically get in about half 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And um, it's usually somewhere around a 16-hour flight. I, I always have to do about three stops to get here. And so I chose a different route, which meant I had started at 3.45 a.m. From, from my home county. And I, I chose this route because it was gonna, going to get me in about 8 o'clock at night. And it would be a help to my family. We, we live in Hominy, but we live north of Hominy. So it's a full hour drive to get to the airport. So I was looking to help my family out and get this earlier flight. But I'd had a delay in London, and I had a delay in Charlotte. And I didn't get in till midnight. I didn't get to Hominy till after 1 o'clock. And I was just wrecked for a few days. I had appointments in Pahuska at 10.30 the next morning. I hit the ground running, and I hadn't been dreaming. And that's always, I don't like it when I'm not dreaming because a dream is a conversation that God is looking to have with you. And so often when you have a dream, 
everyone gets so excited about the dream that they forget to ask questions. The, the, the dream, as we see with Daniel, it's just the start of a conversation. So I love it. When we see it all throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament. That It's one of the most prolific ways or more prolific ways that God speaks to us is through our dream life. Well, when I stop dreaming, I get concerned. But I knew it was because of lack of sleep, going into a different time zone and all of that. But the third night that I was here, third night, fourth night, a few nights in, I had a dream. I had an open vision. Sorry. I had an open vision. It's 6 a.m. I'm, I'm in one of the rooms of the house that I was born and raised in. My great-grandparents built it, who were, who were full-blood Osage. They built this home. I know that house like the back of my hand. And I'm in that room, and it's 6 a.m., and, and, and the Holy Spirit takes me into an open vision. I'm laying in bed, and he begins to show me a picture of an aircraft. This aircraft was made completely of wood. There was no canvas covering the wings of the aircraft. It wasn't even 1950s. It was more turn of the century. It looked like something you might imagine Amelia Earhart trying to fly. It was old, it was clunky, and it could barely get off the ground. It was maintaining some level of airspeed. It was off the ground some, but it was barely able to uh, um, um, take flight. There was no momentum with it. There was no power with it. And as I watched, I was like, that's not going to make it. That aircraft is not going to make it. It could easily be taken out. And so God took me out of that vision, and I began to ask questions. What are you showing me? What do I need to know? Who is this for? Those are the questions that you begin to ask when God gives you something like that. And he said, go to sleep. Well, I hadn't had much sleep, so I didn't, I, I didn't um, um, argue with him too much on that. I went right to sleep. He took me into a very deep sleep. And when I went into the very deep sleep, he showed me, he gave me a prophetic dream. A, dream. a prophetic dream is different than an open vision. And in the prophetic dream, I was standing on a long airstrip. And I was like in, in the end of the airstrip. But at the far end of the airstrip, away from me, I saw a fighter jet. It was painted completely bright red, and it had a broad white br um, um, brush stroke, broad stripe across the body of this red fighter jet. And then I heard the engines of the fighter jet turn on, and they were so powerful. And I could feel the vibration in my physical body in this prophetic dream as that fighter jet's engines turned on. And in the dream, my expectation was to see it taxi past me. That's what I was looking for. I was like, I want to see this thing take off. I I want to see it taxi. I want to see it build up its power. I could feel the, the power of it even move through my hair in the dream. I was like, this is so powerful. I want to see it. I want to be an observer of what's getting ready to happen when all of a sudden that fighter jet just takes off more like a rocket. It never taxied. It never had to go down the airstrip. It went from a place of, of being turned off, being turned on and in the air. And I 
woke up out of the dream and I said, God, what are you showing me? And he says, that's what I'm doing. That is my move. That's my church. You are not to be an observer of what I'm doing. You're to get, you are to board that ship and you are to, that aircraft, and you are to take as many with you as possible. So what Angie's word over me, that is the word of the Lord. It's, this is a word that I step into the fullness of one of God's generals that he has raised up for this time. And I'm saying, come on, we're getting off the aircraft that can barely take flight. We're getting off that aircraft that no longer is purposeful for what God is calling for his church, his ecclesia worldwide. We're getting off that old aircraft. It's an old method. It's an old wineskin. And we no longer are partnering with that. We're stepping onto something that we've never seen before in our lifetime. We've never seen the power of God being demonstrated like this. Why was it read? His redemption. He is redeeming his church. Why, why was there a white stripe on it? Because this move that God is calling for his church, this is in purity. This is in righteousness with no compromise. The church has compromised herself. She has been all things to all men in a way that she no longer has been able to carry the power of God because she doesn't understand who her voice is, who her king is. And this is a time when the remnant is hearing the voice of the king call out saying, I am no longer an orphan. I know who my father is. And my father has called me to step into something that I've never known before. So God has been stirring in me this word that I give out to you today, this word of prophecy about crossing the threshold. God is calling you personally as a son and as a daughter to cross the threshold. The, the, the word threshold represents, I'm sorry, represents, is defined. The natural definition of the word um, threshold is to the place or point of entering or beginning a new age. Threshold, the place or point of entering or beginning a new age. God is calling your life personally. Now, you know, when Pastor, um, when Apostle Gerald put up Hebrews 6 there, he assigned everybody a category, but the, before the categories start, started being assigned, there's a, there's a piece there that's key. And he says, I'm calling you into maturity. I'm preaching this in Ireland, and I preach it to you today. This is a time to stop with the childlike games of what we have called church. This is a time that God is calling you into the place of maturity, that you would stop playing around with God, and you would come into the fullness of what it means to walk as a son, that it is not the identity of what man has said. This is church. This is a follower. I don't use the word Christian anymore. It's too watered down. It's too compromised follower of Jesus Christ, one who is in pursuit of Jesus Christ, one who is journeying with Jesus. That's the terminology I use now. So as God is calling you to this place to journey with him in intimacy, in the place of repentance, in the place of being made purified that you can carry what Colossians 3 says, you are designed to carry the glory of God that we would be made like mirrors, that when somebody looks at my life, they see the glory of God. And so what he's asking for us in this time is where we have compromised, and every one of us have. 
We've compromised ourselves in some way with some conversation, with some business transaction, with some financial exchange, we have compromised. God is saying, break off where you have compromised in those relationships, in those transactions, in that place of part of the truth, not all of the truth. Break that off today and step into the place of where you are now uh, uh, crossing the threshold into a new age, into a new place. God is calling you to cross the threshold. He's calling you, your life personally to step across where you're at right now because where you're at right now is stuck. Where you're at right now, you're not able to move in the fullness. You hear what I'm preaching and you're like, that's a good preach, but I don't know if I'm ready for where she's saying the church is going. And I'm saying to you, that's because you're stuck. And this word to you today is to get you unstuck, that you are able to freely step across the threshold into a new age, into the newness of what God has for your life. See, in that place of stuckness, the redemptive promises of God, this is a house that's rich in prophetic apostolic uh, um, seasons and times. This is a house that you're well able for this word. But I speak to you today that your maturity must rise up into the place that you no longer are just going through the motions, that you step into this place of saying, I want the meat, no longer will the milk sacrifice, um, satisfy, because if you don't, you'll be stuck on that old aircraft and it's not going anywhere. It's barely off the ground and it barely has power. And where the church is going, where the world is going, we want to be on that fighter jet that doesn't even need, it's not even necessary for it to taxi to build up speed. God is saying, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what I am looking to do on the earth, but it is for an uncompromised remnant that he is calling forth in this time. This word should be shaking you. This word should be excited, exciting to you. And this word should be drawing you into the place of the fear of the Lord. I am not a doomsday prophet. I am a prophet of the Lord God who's saying, come into that place of first love intimacy that you can stand before the Lord and say, I have heard not from, from a prophet, but from the Lord himself. I am to step over uh, the crosshold of the place of where I have been stuck. Amen? Amen. Are you receiving this word? So as God gave me this download, God speaks to me in a lot of ways. I, I, I tend to flow in what's called um, a, um, a, a nabby prophet. So I, nabby, if you go to the Old Testament, look up that word. Nabby means a bubbling up. Um, so I tend to get downloads from the Lord like that, and it bubbles up. It comes to me very quickly. But in doing that, sometimes he'll have me scribe a word. So he'll give me a scribe prophetic word. And it will start to come to me very quickly, and he speaks it to me, and I type it out as fast, as quickly as I can. He gave me a scribed word, and I give it to this house today on this place of crossing threshold. Where you're at, 
where he's asking you to go, and what this time, why this time is so very important. Remember this, threshold is the place or point of entering a new beginning or age. So I speak it out over ascension, over this house. This is your time of entering into something that you've not walked in before. This is your time of, of walking and stewarding, stewarding a level of power and the anointing, the power of God that you've not walked in before. Everything up until this point, it's how I see myself in Ireland. Um, 17 years there, I had uh, um, the, the years in Guatemala and Honduras, all of it was practice. All of it was practice. I feel like I know less than I ever knew before, and my dependency on Jesus and looking to lead and follow him, I know less than I've ever known before except for this one thing. My intimacy with Jesus is greater and deeper than it's ever been because it's not what I will do for him, but who I am in him, and that only comes by learning what it means to sit with him what it means to speak with him. Like, I love what I do. I love that he called me. I love it that I, I was made a prophet before I was ever in my mother's womb. I love it that I knew him before I knew my, even my own family, that he called me out to be a prophet. And to walk that out is the greatest privilege of my life. However, the greatest pursuit of my life is to fully understand I am a son. What I do for him is not out of a place of obligation, but it's out of a place of deep, deep love for a king that I am absolutely captivated by. And my pursuit is not ministry. My pursuit is not platform. My pursuit is not numbers and advancement. My pursuit is Jesus. I pursue Jesus. So it doesn't matter what your vocation is or your job is or what, your, what you do, a mother, a father, who you are, the labels over your name. Today I speak out for you to cross threshold. This is God shaking you pursue me pursue me pursue me come into the place of intimacy and what I realized pre-covid what I realized was that you know I was doing uh, um, I was walking out that call in Ireland but when we went into lockdown we had very strict lockdowns in in Ireland to my knowledge there was only other one other nation in the European Union that had stricter lockdowns I think it was Denmark but I could be corrected on that but we had really strict lockdowns in the Republic of Ireland and in that time there were just, there were multiple times that we couldn't go more than a five kilometer distance our borders were being monitored by um, 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 what we call the, the Gardi, which is an Irish word for the police. If you were crossing it over into another county, you had to have medical papers or work permits to be able to show that. We couldn't um, be outside of our homes for more than an hour, and that had to be for exercise and to get essential services. It was really strict. And, you know, the, uh, um, I had planted a church two years before we had went into COVID, and so there was a bit of a scramble about how church would go forth and how our lives were going forth, just like you, everyone the world over was experiencing, but that was our, my story, our story in, in Ireland. But in that time, um, I, um, I, I, I went to university on a basketball and track scholarship, played 
anything that you could letter in at Hominy, I lettered in. The football stadium's named after my father. We're a big athletic family. Um, we love sport. And um, I took up golf in Ireland. And I've preached on more golf courses than um, I probably should admit. But I've, I, I really have a, I really have a heart to do church outside the four walls of the church. And I've seen God use the bridge of golf to have conversations that would typically never take place. But they closed the golf courses down too. So you couldn't even get your hour of exercise on a golf course. But what was still available was that you could still go to the sea, what you all would call the ocean, we call the sea. And remember, we're an island. So the sea is quite possible to get to anywhere. But I I took up something I never thought I would took up, take up, which is um, open water sea swimming. And that may sound fun if, you, if you're like me and you grew up with trips to Galveston where the water's really warm in the Gulf of Mexico. The water is never warm in Ireland. <laughs> never. Never. In, and, in, in, and there's only, I think they say, a two degree change in the temperature. Even in our warmest month for seawater is actually September. It's taken that whole summer to get it warmed up just a little bit. And what you and I would call, we wouldn't even call it a tempered bath. It is freezing. Absolutely freezing but it's great for circulation and what I what I did during that time is I started to I could you could go sea swimming so you know I, I and believe me that first step in you're like going this is crazy but I started sea swimming and Jesus just spoke to me and he said I'm, I'm a really good swimmer take me and so at first I was like what and he was like take me I want to talk to you. I want to speak things to you. I want to give you things, daughter, that I've, I've, that I've always had, but you've never settled enough for me to give you these things. Let's go swimming. So I started sea swimming with Jesus, and I started doing things I'd never done before. And he is a brilliant swimmer, actually. And um, he began to reveal things to me in this place of intimacy that no longer a ministry that I have given my life to, that I've laid down everything. I've given up what, um, you know, we call the American dream. And I've had the great privilege of walking out this call in the nations. I love that. But Jesus said, you have put me in a position that I am your Sunday school Jesus. I'm your Sunday school Jesus. I was like, what? All these years of being on the field, all these years of following after you, all the schools I've gone to. He said, you barely know me, Laura Beth. I want to show you who I am to you, daughter. Swim with me. Walk with me. Learn what it means to sit with me. And the intimacy that began to take place in my heart as I reveal things to Jesus, and he began to show me old wounds that needed healing, and he began to show me that it is a life of complete freedom and liberty that he has for me and he has for you. Amen. It came in this place of being willing to go deeper with Jesus than I'd ever gone. And I come to you today to cross threshold. I want to pull you out of the place of stuckness. And I want you to be firmly, um, firmly 
seated and standing in the place of what it means to go into deep intimacy with Jesus. Amen. This is the scribed word that he gave me. Sons and daughters, do you hear my zealous call to you in this time, says the Lord God. I awaken you to new strategy, but first you must break partnership with faintness of heart, dread, and fatigue. Have I not promised you my mercies are new every day? Now stand up, be counted for, for you have done well with what I have asked in this season. I am calling time on this season. God's calling time on this season. And I speak it out over this church today. And and he's saying over ascension, he's giving you your well done for this season. But today he calls time on it. You're shifting into something new. You're shifting into something that you've not been in. You're going onto an aircraft that you've not boarded before. This is your well done, ascension, that you have done well with this season, but today God calls time on it. This is not an hour for idleness and lingering, but a time to keep moving. Today, embrace what I unfold on the land and in the land. That's important. That's really, really important. Do you know what they say? Do you know what some of the leaders say of me? They said, we've not seen an American come in and assimilate and make relationships like you do with the Irish. See, I didn't come in to bring American gospel. I came in to bring the gospel, and I came in also not to be served, but to serve. It's what Jesus did. He left heaven, and he served a dirt ball for 33 years. So whether, it doesn't matter where I go, my heart is to come in and serve the people. It is the model which Jesus gave, and I come in and I look to serve. But this is what they say, We've not seen anyone come in and assimilate in with the people like you do. We think it's the First Nation piece. It's the other prophets saying that. We think it's the First Nation piece, that you get the land and you understand how the land is so important to what God is saying through the land, in the land, in the people, through the people. And so, in the, I, you know, I would say that's probably true. But I come to you today to say, I believe the enemy has tried to keep you in such a place of stuckness that your identity is in question right now. And so you're not really sure who you are and what you're supposed to do. And there's almost like a whirlwind um, swirling around you and going, that may be good for you, but that's not where I am. And I break that off of you right now. This is a word of the Lord for every single man and woman who will partner and receive it with you. This is a word that God is looking to bring you into something that you've never known before. It says, this is a time to keep moving. Today, embrace what I unfold on the land and in the land beyond the threshold. We're going to have to move. We're going to have to step across something. It is now we move into what is again new and unknown strategy to you. It's not new and unknown in heaven. It's well known in heaven. It's just new and unknown to us. And so he's asking us to step in. He says this, you have been at thresholds before, but today is different. I have designed and orchestrated it differently, says the Lord God. This crossing over will require of you wild tenacity in my spirit, says God. Wild ones, my wild ones, I call upon in this time. For it is now you will have life where there has been death 
upon the land. And so I come into um, God's daughter born in this county, my home county, and I say where there has been death in Osage County, we now come into the place of we speak life, and I call those dead things to rise up. See, when I came into Oklahoma this time, all the years of coming in and out, I had never seen so much construction. You should see the road from here to Hominy, what we have to, well, out to my, my home place, what I have to go through just to get to Sky Took. And then out here at the, the four-way, um, what's that called out by the old schoolhouse? J Vine Road. The, the, you know, going past the casino there and, and all of this stuff. And I came in and, you know, my family's going, you've got a stoplight here now and you've got a stoplight here and make sure you don't leave too late because there's also a stoplight out here north of town. And, you know, I could tell, and, you know, if you're dealing with that every day, it can be a bit frustrating. But this is what I say, and this is what I said to the church in Hominy. I said, God is getting this region ready he's putting systems in place so that people can easily get in and out of Osage and Tulsa. There's loads of construction going on in Tulsa County. And everywhere I go, I'm in some form of construction, and I'm like going, God's getting Oklahoma ready. He's putting systems in place. He's causing the roads to be improved so that people can come into a well-like place and be able to receive. So that is why it is essential that we cross threshold, that we step over into this new we've got to hear what God is saying in this time and he's saying that old aircraft is not going to make it cross over threshold you have been at places of threshold before but God says he has designed this uh, um, differently that he's calling the wild ones to step into the place with wild tenacity he says you will see my hand move and open and release now is the time says the Lord God therefore move stand up look up you are ready I really heard God say the people believe they're not ready and he says over you you are ready you are equipped. I am not looking for perfection, but rather co-laboring in active participation. That's what the Lord God says. You have held back because you're like, but it's not perfect. It's not shifted. I'm not right. It's not in the place. And God says, I am not looking for perfection, but I am looking for a co-laboring, a co-creating, a co-partnership in this place of him saying, work with me on this. It's an invitation. It's an amazing invitation that that God is saying, I'm not doing this alone. I'm doing it with sons who will step into the place of saying, he wants to do something differently in your workplace. He wants to do something differently in your bloodline. He wants to do something differently in your business. He wants to do something differently with your children and with your children's children. But he's saying, work with me on this. You're going to have to step off of that old mindset of the how, when, why, and where of where your breakthrough was coming and step into the place of it's a new thing. I may not get this right. I may not be perfect in it in it. I may be a bit cumbersome in it. I may fall in it, but I'm going to go for it in Jesus. I'm going to do something because I want to be on the red and white fighter jet. Amen. It says, God says this. He said, I, he says, be, be ready, be confident in my breath upon your life, wild ones, and tenaciously embrace partnership with me, says the Lord God. And, and I will email a copy of this word to um, Pastor Angie, and anyone who wants it can get a copy of this. Amen. I am releasing heaven to earth governance to my church. Woo! 
I am releasing heaven to earth governance to my church. That's a power play. That's moving into an authority and walking in a dominion that has always been for his church, that's always been for us, and we have been negligent, and we have been off the mark, and we have been distracted, and we have been looking to make sure we're at the next conference or that make sure we're doing the, 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 the latest praise and worship song, that we have become the church as this um, um, very uh, um, unsalty entity that has no power and has no demonstration of what Jesus is looking for his church in this hour. And so this is a time that he's saying, I'm giving my governance from the realms to the earth. Can he do that? He said he is doing that, and he's made a way for him to do it. And that that level of governance, see, it, it is a level of governance that we step into. Of course, I obey the laws of the land. But when you think about it, my citizenship, I have citizenship in a few different, uh, with a few different groups. I namely am a citizen of heaven, but I'm also, a, I'm also a, a member of the Osage tribe. I'm a member of the Cherokee tribe. I'm a U.S. citizen. I carry a U.S. passport. I'm considered a resident of the European Union. I have a lot of different um, groups or organizations or people groups that I can te- connect myself. However, my trunk card, my card that trumps them all is that I am a citizen of heaven. I walk in a level of authority and dominion. I don't look to do anything outside what those different entities say I can do, but I understand that when they say something that doesn't line up with the word of God, I don't get in. I'm, I'm, I'm not a political prophet. God has not released me in that area, and I've not stepped into it. And he warned me about it before we ever went into the elections. Do not touch that. And I haven't. And I I've seen God speak to me about those things, but it's nothing that he's released me to say publicly. And so I step into the place of, of knowing that God is saying to us in this time that our citizenship have, has to be so secure in that position of we are citizens of heaven. And so even though I'm, I'm very um, you know, honored and privileged that um, I'm a direct descendant of the, uh, of, of the Osage people and of the Cherokee people, and, and you know, I, I love that about me, but it doesn't trump who I am as a son of God and the authority that has been given to me. Amen? He's releasing his governance to his sons in this time. It will be new and unusual to you, but you will know it by my spirit and by my hand. For no man or earthly entity can fathom or unleash what I have planned. It is the measure and portion I have beyond the threshold. You won't touch this. You won't be a part of this on this stuck side of the threshold. You've got to cross over. You've got to go into what God is doing now. Uh, um, God says he has set this before this uh, us today to step into the place of his governance beyond the threshold. You will know it. How will we know it's him? How will we know it? You will know it because it is deeply and profoundly marked by what I have already given, the marker of my ultimate love through my son. My governance upon the earth to my church is designed to look like him. It has the aroma of him. It sounds like him. It carries my 
my sovereign power in him alone. And so what is God saying here? This governance it, that he gives us, the reason that you know you will see the power upon it is because it looks like Jesus. It sounds like Jesus. It has the aroma of Jesus. When he brought himself, when he humbled himself into the, to, to, to be carried into the womb of a woman, he came into this place of humility, but he always walked in the power and the authority of his father in this earth. Every time he was challenged, who are you? Why are you here? And what are you doing? I'm doing exactly what the father sent me to do. And so God is asking you and I to come into the place that we walk in the, his governance, that it looks like Jesus, that it's, that it has the aroma of Jesus. So this is a love that the church has not walked in. The the church has touched in and out of this. The church has been willing to speak about the love of God, but not demonstrate the love of God. And this is where God is saying, you want to carry, you want to steward my governance upon the earth, then this will be this laying down of your own self. Exactly what Jesus did. This is going low before the Lord God and walking in humility as he did. And this is what God is asking of us. See, in the Western church, we don't want to be humbled. In the Western church, we don't want to be inconvenienced. In the Western church, we don't want to talk about persecution and we don't want the prophets to prophesy persecution. But let me tell you this, this is a time that the Western church will start to take the lead from the Eastern church. See, we think that we've got it. I sat with an American leader in Ireland and he began to tell me all of what he was looking to do money-wise in, in what he considered developing third world nations. And I just thought, and while I said it to him, I said, the Western church is getting ready to take such lessons from the Eastern church because they know what it means to be persecuted. They know what it means to lay their life on the line for their belief and confession of the Lord Jesus Christ. They know what it means to go low before the Lord and walk before him in his ways in the place. The, the Eastern church knows that the Western church doesn't know it. And this is a place that God is saying, now is your time, Western Church. This is your time to come out of your, uh, your, your compromised position of what you have called church, cross the threshold, and begin to understand what it really means to steward the, his governance upon the earth. Amen. Amen. We're almost finished with this word. Your generation has not fully seen, not fully heard what I give liberally through my son beyond the threshold. You have, test, you have tasted and seen that I am good. However, it is beyond the threshold in which you will experience the spirit of my son being poured out in extravagance to your generation. This is a house that will see that. This is a well that will see it. Arms extended, the, the, the blind eyes opened, the lame walking. This is a house that what has been prophesied over you, you will see go forth, but it is a time to disembark from the old aircraft. Amen. You will experience the spirit of my son being poured out in extravagance to your generation. It will be your new reality. 
not something we talk about. Remember what happened last October, that our new reality, that every time we gather, we expect miracles to happen with telephone poles and electricity and everything else. Remember today, my precious and beautiful son, his radical obedience to me, his tenacious declaration of truth, his imminent holiness. Remember his unpopularity with the religious regime, for you too will experience and walk in persecution, says the Lord God. Look for him in everything. You will note he is already there. Jesus is already there in the place where he's calling you. He's already there. You are not waiting on him, but he is waiting on you. Look for him beyond the threshold. So I pull you into this place. And like I said, I'll give Pastor Angie a copy of this word. Also, the, the, the scriptural reference for this word, where this word is anchored in, a, a prophet that's salty, a prophet that's worth their, their salt will always back themselves up and anchor that word in the word of God. So all of the scriptural references that he gave me for this word are there. I'll email it to Angie and anybody who um, would like a copy of that can, can get that. I speak to you now that there is this crossing over of going into the place or point or entering a, a new age where do we see this in the scriptures we see this that in Joshua 3 the Israelites they are at where you are at right now they know that God has a promise for them they have a 500 year promise that God had given to um, uh, had given to Abraham um, we know that because of Deuteronomy 6 3 and Deuteronomy 32 49 he had said and he had promised them I have this promised land for you but here we are in Joshua 6 they're ready to go possess it. They're ready to go get the promise that God has for them, but there's something that is preventing them from crossing over threshold. They've got an obstacle in front of them in, in Joshua 6. You've got an obstacle in front of you right now. It could be finances. It could be a diagnosis. It could be an old mindset. I believe God's really dealing with the renewing of the minds with seasoned Christians right now, seasoned believers. Amen? He's really dealing with your old mindset, how you have seen him and how you have seen pursuit of him and that in this place of thinking I'm doing okay I'm here to tell you there's more he's asking you to come into a place of greater intimacy and so God is is saying to you what he was saying to the children of Israel in Joshua chapter 6 look what I have said over your life that prophetic word that you've been holding on to that 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 you receive that you know is the word of the Lord that promise God is saying the terms of my promise and my word over you have not changed. It is, it is still the same, but you're going to have to cross over a threshold. You're going to have to do something. When the prophets come in and the prophets give the words, that's the start of God saying, now take that word and begin to apply the word. You begin to take an action. That's why I had you go, it's a prophetic act. It's me saying, you want to cross over a threshold, blow off that stuff that's on you, that's kept you uh, um, stuck, the sediment that's looked to rest on you and keep you in that place that you're not able to cross over a threshold. I'm shifting you as a directive of the Lord God. I'm moving you into something that you've not been in before. This is your time. This is this house's time. This is this region's time. It is your time. And so the children of Israel, they really it's our time. We're, we're, we're very close to possessing promise. But there was one thing that stood in their way, and that was the walled city of Jericho, a passage that I know a lot of you are really interested in.
uh, that, that, that are very familiar with. And so the walled city of Jericho, I don't know you, about you, but I was, I was raised in church, and, and I always imagined the walled city of Jericho as maybe like a six-foot wall that was around this you know, ancient city. But here's the truth about the wall of Jericho. This is what the wall, this, these were the wall, this was what was keeping them from crossing threshold. This is what was, was before them. Its fortifications featured a stone wall that was 11 feet high and 14 feet wide. At its top was a smooth stone slope angling upward at 35 degrees, so a 35 degree angle for 35 feet, where it joined massive stone walls that towered even higher. It was virtually impossible to penetrate. So when you think of Jericho, God says, your promise is on the other side of that city. What I've said that you can have, it's over there. You just need to cross the threshold and go get it. That's what God's saying. But what they had to cross was this walled city that had a wall that was 11 feet high, 14 feet wide. It had these smooth stone structures that jetted up that went at a 35-degree angle for 35 feet up, up in the air. And God's saying, just take that city out and go get your promise. And see, when you hear me speak about threshold, you're like, I want to be on that fighter jet. I want to do it. But Lord Beth, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what's preventing me from crossing threshold. You don't know what has been said or I've experienced in my bloodline, in my finances, in my life. You don't know what the last 90 days has been like. I'm barely holding on here, Lord Beth, and you're asking me to cross over threshold. Look what the children of Israel did. So, God gives them a, God has this really interesting um, conversation with Joshua in chapter 6 before the children of Israel are to go in and take it out. But here's the common ways that in ancient biblical times that a walled city would look to be taken out. There's about three ways. You can study it out yourself. But one way was tunneling. So they would look to tunnel under a city. You can imagine how long it would take to tunnel under a city that firstly had a wall that was 11 feet deep. You'd need a lot of manpower and a lot of time to be able to tunnel under that wall. Another thing that they would do is they would use starvation methods. So you can think a city that has a wall that significant, it's a pretty substantial city. And you just think, let's just say it's the size of Skytook. I don't know was. But let's just say that there was a wall around Skytook, and um, the opposers said, we're going to starve Skytook out. Well, I mean, if they were that uh, uh, diligent about making sure no food got into Skytook, it could be done. But think about how much time it would take and how much manpower, again, it would require to make sure that no food entered into Skytook. So you're talking about another man-made attempt, and this was what was used in biblical times to take out walled cities. They'd use starvation methods or they would use tunneling. The third thing that they would do is they would build large catapults and look to hurl balls of fire into a walled city to look to burn it out. But let's remember, we're in the desert what are we going to build the catapult with? And what are we going to use as fodder to set on fire to burn out the city? Regardless of which method that you look to go with, it takes a lot of time, a lot of manpower, and a lot of exertion. Amen? 
And so when you look at you crossing your threshold, you can say, well, I could do it this way. And I might, and you've probably already considered it. Well, this might work, and that might work. But let's look at what happens when God gives an unorthodox, unlikely way of how to take out a walled city. See, God wants you to cross your threshold. He's calling you to, to cross your threshold. But in your head, you're like going, here are all the reasons why I can't. And this is what God is saying to you today, what he says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 6, starting with verse 1. It says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I, I have given you, it's past tense, I have already given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead. Don't discount this piece. Listen to me here. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn, on the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all of the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. What is God saying? He's given strategy. He's saying, this is how you cross threshold. This is, this is what I'm instructing you to do. There's nothing being given here. This is the plan of the Lord. And I'm telling you, if God's calling you to cross threshold, he also wants to give you strategy in how to cross that threshold. He will not ask you to do a thing that looks impossible to you, that he will not give heaven-to-earth governance in how to walk that out. It won't make sense on this earth because this earth is not um, in the place of under the dominion of heaven yet. It's in the place of it's completely being ran by the world systems, and yet God is saying, I am giving you authority from a governmental place in heaven to bring a strategy in your life to be able to cross something that looks impossible to you. Amen. So God wants to give you a strategy. And what he's saying to, what he said to Joshua, he says to you, I've already given you the king of Jericho, all of its strong warriors. It's already done. So he's saying to you today, the promise that I've said over your physical life, that health battle that you've been in, what looks impossible in your marriage, in your family bloodline, the strife, the discord, what looks like that's just our story, that's how it's always been, that's how it will always be, what looks impossible with your business that you thought, I thought it was going to go so much better than it is. We're in such desperate trouble right now. God is saying, you keep doing man's methods and you will stay in the place of stuckness on this side of the threshold. But you come into a place that you allow your ear to hear a very different strategy that is coming from heaven to earth. You now are in a position that you can do what the Israelites did. So God has given them a, a, a strategy and he's saying over you today, Excuse me, he's saying over you today, I've already given you your promise. Your business is going to make it. Your marriage is going to flourish. Sometimes when I preach, 
I, when I was in university and outside of university, there, there used to be a bike shop. I don't think the same family owns it anymore, but there was a bike shop down in South Peoria near Cherry Street called Lee's Bicycles. And I worked there while going through university for six years. And we sold these. I was thinking of when, when, um, when um, Angie was talking about the camels, we sold these backpack things that were called camelbacks. And I think a lot of people use them, outdoor people use them, other than, than cyclists, motorcyclists and stuff. But it's, a, it's just a thermal water pack, like a backpack that you strap on, and you have this hose-like thing in your mouth, and you just squeeze it, and water goes in, you know, while you're cycling. There's so many times I'm preaching, and I'm like going, I wonder if it would be offensive if I wore a camel bag while I preached. Okay, so we're, we're crossing threshold, and we're looking at Joshua 6, and God has just given Joshua strategy to go possess a 500-year promise. If God can give Joshua strategy to go possess a 500-year promise and tells Joshua in advance, I've already given it to you. Today, regarding your life, your business, your family, your marriage, your children, God, could, God is saying to you, I will give you strategy today. Amen? Amen? So I want to prophesy. I want to take some time to pray over you. So let's go through this next bit quickly. We see as we look through Joshua chapter 6, God, Joshua gathers all the people together, and he, he gives this instruction take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in the front of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn, horn started marching and blowing in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. So they're doing exactly what God told them to do. God has given them a strategy it is not to build a catapult. It's not to use fire. It's not to use starvation. He's saying, march, blow the ram's horn, walk around the city. Some of the armed men marched in front of the police, um, priests with the horns and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Now here is an interesting part of God's strategy to the Israelites. He says to them, do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded, not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So they went and they did it. So interesting, the Israelites are never quiet on anything. They obeyed this time. They didn't mumble. They didn't grumble. They didn't complain. God said, be quiet. Don't speak. Just march. Just walk. Wait a minute. We're supposed to go take out this walled city with this 14-foot wide wall, and all you want us to do is walk? Yeah, and don't talk. Just walk. God is giving strategy to you today. He's giving you downloads. I'm going to pray over you, and we're going to get in faith with um, Apostle Gerald and Pastor Angie and, and their team that those downloads that God wants to give you for you to be able to receive, not only stepping across the threshold, but walking towards the fullness of the possession of the promise that he has for your marriage, for your life, for your business. And he will give 
strategy that you're like, I never thought of that. Or you might even think, how's that going to work? But remember, we're looking to get off of an old aircraft that's not going to make it, and we're looking to get onto a fighter jet that's looking to cover some ground. Amen? So we know, I know a lot of you are familiar with this passage, we know that they did exactly what God told them to do. They walked around that walled city for six days, but on the seventh day, the Israelites got got up at dawn, marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. More instruction is given here. He says this, Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Our obedience to the Lord in this time is essential. What God says to do, we do it. Where God says to go, we go. When God closes a thing down, we let him close it down. When God looks to open up something that looks unusual, and out of, out of anything we've understood to know, uh, uh, known before, we bless it. So we're in a time right now that we must be obedient. And he says to them that you'll bring trouble on the house of Israel if you look to go in and keep things for yourselves that are not for yourselves. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn... Verse 20 is pretty important. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. I want you to hear that part. I know you know it, and you hear the words of it, but I want you to get something out of what God is saying. It says that suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight. It says they charged straight. It doesn't say they started climbing over rubble. It doesn't say they started looking to make a pathway over these 14-foot-wide walls that were 11 feet high with these 35-degree angled stone structures. It doesn't say anything about having to make a way over these things. It says they went straight. They went straight. And um, it says they completely destroyed everything in it with their swords. They were obedient to do it the way that God told them to do. They, uh, uh, um, they completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men, women, young, old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. They were obedient to do what God had said to do. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury. What's very interesting about verse 20, that they went straight in, is it says that Scott Scholars and excavators have found at Jericho what verse 20 says, it completely correlates with what they have found that the walls actually, uh, um, they they, they found collapsed walls, not that were broken down from the outside, but had fallen down. The walls had not fallen inward, but rather outward, creating a ramp of fallen bricks by which the Israelites went straight into the city. 
The very thing that is looking to be what you perceive as a wall preventing you from crossing threshold. The very thing that you believe is keeping you on that old aircraft, that that, that desire to not want to go into the new thing. The very thing that you believe is the obstacle or I would cross over threshold. God is saying when we walk into obedience and we do it the way that he's asking us to do in this time, that wall that you think is your problem becomes your bridge in walking across straight without hindrance, without uh, um, delay into being able to possess what God fully has for you in this time. See, the thing that you believe is your greatest obstacle is the wall. And God's saying, when you do it my way, um, heaven to earth governance, a new way, a way that doesn't make sense to man. It makes sense to man to tunnel or to use starvation or to build a catapult in the desert. It doesn't make sense to man to walk around a city in silence. But that's the strategy that God gave. God wants to give you strategy that you've never had before. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? I'm going to share, I'm going to declare a word over you. I'm going to prophesy, but I'm going to ask Apostle Gerald to just come up for just a moment. I want to um, give it to you for just a moment. Before I do that, I want to declare this out over you. I will move back into, um, into, into prophesying. I, I, I've got some personal prophetic words that I know God wants to speak out. Um, I want to, you know... If you're in this place, if you've heard this word and you're like, I don't know what to do with that. I'm uncomfortable. I'm excited. I, I, I feel fear looking to rise up. I want you to say this is what God is saying over you. Let's land this word. And we're, we're looking to land it in Isaiah 41.10. Will you just raise your hands to receive it? So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be nothing at all, says the Lord God. I declare it out over you. This is your time to cross thresh threshold. This is your time to get those downloads God has given you. Those who look to wage war against you, they will be nothing at all. God is upholding you with his righteous right hand. Now is your time. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to take a step here over the threshold. Yes. And I'm going to ask our ushers to come. And we want to receive a love 